1: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President, KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
2: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, September first, twenty twenty-one edition of Invest Talk, and. Yeah, we're in September. It is my birthday month here coming up in about a week and a half. And a Labor Day holiday is just around the corner. So just a reminder, markets are closed on Monday and we will have a best of caller question podcast for you. But on today's podcast, we will operate, as always, with our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So I'm here to give you unbiased guidance on the market, on particular positions, strategies, sectors, etc. And I'm here to give you the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20-plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. and Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And if you do, you get to shape the show to your liking. And that means you can interact with us during our live stream program right now, 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave a message on our anytime Invest Talk voice bank. And as always, that never changes. 888 99 chart. Let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Steven,
1: Justin, this is Saul from California. Just have a quick question about Crocs, ticker symbol of C-R-O-X. Bought it a couple months ago and have had some pretty good returns. Just thinking if it's a uh, time to sell or if it's something that is worth holding long-term. Uh, really love the show and uh, can't wait to
2: hear. Thank you. Crocs, I think most people know what crocs are those are the very interesting looking shoes that uh some people uh wear and uh, they're they're definitely fashionable uh recently and they were fashionable some years back when was that let's go to a monthly chart i remember there was a a big run yeah 2006 seven time frame uh and then it kind of cratered with uh or if it fell out of bed in 2007 well before the 08 crash and hit went from A high of $76 and changed then to a low of, geez, a dollar and almost went bankrupt. Uh, Now we're at $143 per share. Gigantic run since the March lows. Those March lows were down around Single digits, nine bucks. Now we're at 138 or 43, excuse me. Now technically it's definitely overbought and it is weakening. And if you look at the, the business, it's definitely uh, doing well. Revenue year over year is up 93%. Earnings up 121%. Supposed to make $6.69 this year and $7.63 next year. That's going from losing 36 cents in 2016. So huge turnaround in the business. And the question is, are we going to have an 07 again where uh, this falls out of bed and maybe it uh, becomes less fashionable to wear Crocs? Uh, I don't think they, for some people, might like them, but, um, you know, it's more, I think, of a. a a trend uh and right now the trend is in their favor. But with fashion, it's very fickle. So to me this is not a long term play based on the history of this business and the current multiples that it's trading at. Enterprise value to EBITDA is know, about eighteen times. Enterprise value to revenue is about five times, which in and of itself is not too uh too high. But if you're looking about looking at the industry and in the fashion industry, that's a very high multiple. Typically, some somewhere in the enterprise value to EBITDA of 10, it would be uh, more reasonable. So, to me, this is uh, an area that you want to be trimming and uh, having a, a tight out. And the out would, for me, would be the 100-day moving average. And it found that support back in March and April. And if it ever breaks that, which right now it's at about 115 so, certainly a ways down from here. So, I would give it a little bit of room, but I would be taking some money off the table, rebalancing lower. And that's something a lot of people don't understand. It's, it's rebal- There's nothing wrong with rebalancing, taking some chips off the table, especially in a name that has a history of up and down cycles like a Crocs and the fashion industry in general. Uh, rebalancing when things are good is more often a smart play. Now let's go to Johnny in Buffalo. He wants to talk about Roth IRAs. Hey, Justin, how are you? Doing great. What can I do for you?
0: So last episode, I asked Steve. Uh, I left it on the voicemail, but I was like, "Hey, like, is there anything from stopping me from opening several Roth IRAs in different accounts, like E Trade or TD Ameritrade?" And he was like, "Well, why would you want to do that?" And so I was just calling back because, like, my intention would be like right now I've already maxed out my Roth, so there's more than six grand, or there's six grand in there, so. I was thinking, like, if I opened another account, I could put another six grand in that account, and then just kind of, or like, I was wondering, do they know by my social security number that I've already maxed it out for the year?
2: Yeah, that's uh, basically what you're uh, what you're dealing with. Yeah, there's that's there's no loophole in, in that sense. Uh, you are going to claim that on your taxes that you've uh, you've uh, deposited money into an IRA, and you can write that off. So uh, the max you can claim on your return is that 6000 if you're under 50 uh, anyway. And so, um, yes, you're right. The Based on your Social Security number, you you can't make more than that 6000 a year contribution. Now, you can spread it out between different Roth accounts, but in aggregate, in total, and same with uh, your regular IRA, some people split it between their Roth and their traditional, so 3000 each. In, in, in those accounts. But still, the max total between all Roth and traditional IRA contributions are $6,000. If you're under 50, and if you're over 50, then it's $7,000. So yeah, uh, I know you're thinking that's a loophole, but definitely not uh, going to apply.
0: Gotcha. Okay, thank you for the clarity.
2: No problem. Thanks for the call, Johnny. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Coinbase continues to displease customers with new security error. And this is uh, just another type of uh, news event uh, within the crypto space that sheds light on the, the nascent industry it is, meaning that there's a lot of complexity and all, the, the actors uh, aren't mature. And so... You definitely want to be. You want to understand the industry and make sure that you are uh, taking the proper precautions if you are allocating money towards that space. So we're going to look at that that story. Also, supply chains, world supply chains, continue to struggle with catching up. The whole narrative was always well. The supply chains are having problems because of COVID. Once you get back to normal, supply chains will normalize, inflation will normalize, and we'll be fine. Well, we're over 18 months into the pandemic, and for the most part, the world is is relatively open, and that's not really changing. You're not seeing the supply chains unstick, And I'm going to look at that a little deeper and give you a lowdown on what that means for the market as a whole. And then lastly, value stocks. Are value stocks cheap for a reason? We're going to look at some of uh, some dynamics there as well. So that's what's on my mind. I want to know what is on your mind, ultimately. That's most important. So I encourage you to reach out with your question at 888-99-CHART, 888 4278 let's take a look at the market today the s&p was up a whopping 1.4 points so very flat day there if you look at the nyse broader index that was up 39 points uh and kind of what was that a quarter of a percent not not a whole lot of movement there uh so really a flat day a stall day we we sold off lat later in the day closed did we close near the lows let me take a look here there you go Look at a shorter term chart. Yeah, we pretty much closed near the lows of the day, which definitely doesn't bode well for tomorrow. But we, are you know, we had a bounce on the news from Jackson Hole that uh, the market reacted positively, that there wasn't going to be any increase in interest rates, even though there's tapering that's likely to happen. Uh, and based on what's happening in the repo market, uh, they're 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 doing too much QE, and there's too much liquidity out there. And so I think removing Uh, It's kind of like the the cup is overflowing, and they're trying to reduce the flow into that cup. Well, it's still going to be overflowing, and so I think that's why the market didn't react negatively. Um, But as we head into the back half of the year, I think we're going to be focusing more on the stimulus package and whether that is closer to one or two trillion, or is it closer to three or four trillion? And I think that will be a big factor on what economic activity will be going into twenty twenty two and thus earnings. And so I think that's the the next focus, uh, is is what that stimulus package will be, and then also the details of tapering. Is it aggressive or is it more conservative? And I think the Fed right now is erring on the side of conservative, which makes the markets less worried. So that's where we were today, but we're heading into a quick break, and I'm right here ready to answer your finance and investment questions on 888-99-CHART.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
2: Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk, podcast review on iTunes. We'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their question quickly. So let's check out one right now. Apps I Love says, I was wondering what software platform to use to find the different things you talk about when looking over a stock in the show, such as how much the company will make in the upcoming year, sales growth percentage, five-year P range, etc.? Well, there are a few pieces of software you use. Uh, Marketsmith is the one that gives us a really quick snapshot. I believe it's somewhere around $100 a month. I, I, I haven't looked at the bill in a while, but we, we've had it for a long period of time. And it gives quick overview of uh, the last seven, eight years of earnings, uh, last Eight quarters in sales and, and earnings growth, dividend yield, any debt, uh, five year PE range, like you talked about, return on equity, cash flow, etc. It's also a nice chart. Um, so that that's what that's that's one piece of software. Y Charts is another one that goes a little bit more in depth on the balance sheet and uh, other metrics that you can compare with the different co- companies within the industry. Uh, has a more robust filtering software to find. Uh, different companies based on their uh, quantitative uh, factors, and then Morningstar. Morningstar is another one that we use. Uh, Typically don't use it too much on the show because it's uh, more in-depth. There's longer, more qualitative reports about management uh, 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 style, management effectiveness, uh, stewardship, um, place within their industry and strategy within the industry, those type of things that help analyze the company's overall, um, uh, factors besides just the, the, the raw numbers. So, uh, that hopefully that gives you a, a bit of a sense. There's obviously more pieces that we use on a day to day management process, but, uh, that, that's, those are few good ones to look quickly at, uh, the, the stocks. Uh, CNote 1975 says, what do you think of, axis capital a x s this is an insurance company bermuda based offering property and casualty reinsurance and insurance products worldwide the insurers have been selling off because of the hurricane i forgot that was ida the one in uh, the gulf right now uh, hitting louisiana and so you're seeing a bit of sell-off here oftentimes that is a opportunity to to buy but uh if you may, you may be trying to catch a falling knife as well, uh, but typically these are good for the industry as a whole. Yeah, you might have uh, some payouts, but it allows those, uh, those within the industry to uh, up their rates and, and, and earn higher margins, etc. So uh, I think this is a solid name, and it does have consistency of cash flow and earnings, yields about 3.2%. And it is fairly large. Looks, uh, market cap's about $4.2 billion. Let me take a look at some of the metrics here, pulling these up. And, and here we go. There you go. Uh, so free cash flow remains relatively strong. They're, they're buying back shares, which is solid. The return on equity longer term is only in the high single digits on average over the last decade. So that's, that's not too exciting. Uh, technicals, technicals don't look great. So, you know, it's a, it's a solid company, but it just doesn't get me really excited, to be honest with you. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein for investors. The need to remain vigilant never ends, and that's why we're here to help you with your finance and investment questions. So, we're taking your calls live at 888 99 Chart.
0: Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open. Eight 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 ninety nine chart.
1: Hey Stephen Justin, this is Dylan from Brooklyn. Uh, appreciate you guys have helped me in the past and been looking to you every day. I have a question about kicker AFRM, a firm. They just announced a deal with Amazon, and they ran up last week. And I'm currently sitting about. 100% profit since I started my position. Uh, I was wondering if you think it's a good time to start and run, or if I should stick around and see where we're going to go from here. Appreciate you guys. Like I said, thank
2: you. All right, looking at a firm which is A F R M is in Mary, and they did announce a, a deal with Amazon. I have not read the details, uh, but I know what a firm does is they offer basically extended financing for uh, through credit card networks and and other retailers and uh, allows people to pay over a longer period of time. And that's certainly helping some retailers get more business because they get paid in full and uh, a firm takes uh, the the credit risk and and handles that, the whole process. Um, And uh, their deal with Amazon, once again, I'm not sure about the details, but they did come up with one. Uh, They they just came to an agreement that was – announced, I believe, on Monday. And the stock went from about $66 all the way to $96 and change at the close today. So it's had a big run. Uh, They they don't earn any money right now. Uh, They're losing money. But depending on the details, this could be a a big win. Um, So this is really a growth name. And it's going to really be dependent on how how they can consistently grow right now they're growing about 67% year over year. Uh, they're clearly taking all of their, uh, their revenue and putting it back into marketing and growing their business. And you're, so you're going to, you'll be paying up your $25 billion market cap, billion and trailing 12 month revenue. You're talking about a run rate of a little over a billion dollars. So you're paying 20 plus times revenue. And we've, we've said before, when you're paying 20 plus times revenue, more often than not, that does not pay in the long run because it's very difficult to grow that much that consistently into that level of a multiple, that level of uh, evaluation. Could they do it? Could Amazon's partnership get you there? Possibly, but I really have to dig into that and I haven't done that and that's what you're going to, need to do. Dig into that, um, that that deal and understand how much growth that's really going to bring them. They've been growing without Amazon. I'm sure they're going to grow more. It's just a matter of how much more and is it worth $25 billion? Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Coinbase continues to displease customers with new security error and what happened was last week, there, there was, a, there was a, an email, a notification that went out at about 1.45 p.m. on Friday that said your two-step verification settings have been changed to almost all Coinbase users. And a lot of people thought that meant their system or their, their accounts were being hacked. If you have – just think of your bank account. If you got that from your bank – saying that your two-step verification settings have been changed, you're thinking that somebody got in and, and started to, was able to change some settings, and the two-step verification is one of the most important things. I think everybody should have a two-step verification on your important accounts to make sure that if you're logging in, you're getting some sort of uh, text code, uh, email code uh, that you're accessing elsewhere, and it makes it a lot harder for hackers to get in when they need an extra level of that extra level of security. So... This is on top of a recent story by CNBC that detailed widespread customer complaints for coin- with Coinbase uh, about uh, accounts being hacked and not having anyone for the company to, to talk to, to, to fix it. And you know, this is the same thing with uh, the Robin Hoods of the world. Uh, the ones that are so heavily focused on the the tech and, and and the app and and this new fintech ecosystem, what many of them lack is good customer service. They've They know the tech side. They understand the tech side deeply. But when it comes to problems and fixing problems, they just don't have the breadth of knowledge and experience in the customer service space to make sure that their customers at a large scale, especially, are being serviced properly. And I think that's the biggest issue with many of these these names. And this is a good example of that, that you have a a hiccup and they've, they've, Said it's an internal error. It's not a hack or anything like that. So nobody's money was really lost, but that can freak people out and make it very difficult to get your money out when you need it. Uh, we, we see this issue all the time. We have clients come over from Robinhood, and it is a disaster to try to get your money out. Out, it can be done. It's just there's, like I said, there's no customer service. Uh, their systems are, are relatively new, and they're not usually in line with uh, their regulators. They're 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 uh, they're kind of off the the beaten path when it comes to what their their goal or their uh, how they answer to regulators, and so. Many of them uh in the especially in the crypto space just don't have much regulation at all. Uh and you see that with Tether and, and Tether once again continues to come out that it's basically a fraud and it's it's becoming more of an issue. And so when you're dealing with the crypto space or any of these fintech companies, understand that that usability that um, avant-garde nature of their businesses comes with downsides as well and make sure you're aware of those now the next invest talk story behind this question what is the gap between investor returns and total returns investors returns often differ from reported total returns because of the timing of cash inflows and outflows that story tomorrow but for now i'm justin klein i'm ready to take your questions live at eight 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 ninety nine chart InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where Hacker 1 comes in. Hacker One's AI Red team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The Hacker One approach to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with Hacker One's attack resistance platform. Learn more at hackerone.com. That's h-a-c-k-e-r-o-n-e dot com. Hackerone This is Invest Talk. Is
0: your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART Hello, Stephen. Justin. I was calling to ask, I hear you guys mention... We should take profit or trim our winnings from some of the stocks that we have. Does that mean, uh, as an example, if I have 10 shares of Apple and I see I've made a couple hundred bucks, how should I trim? Should I shell a couple number of stocks and take those gains? I love the podcast. Thank you. Looking forward to hear your reply. Bye-bye.
2: Well, when you're making a trade, you always have to look at the, the larger picture. And it's what you want your portfolio to look like as a whole. From the weightings of different sectors, uh, how we do it is we use the backdrop of the economy, growth and inflation to overweight or underweight particular sectors, depending on that backdrop, because if inflation is going up or going down, that means different types of sectors tend to do better than others. For example, uh, if inflation is going up, uh, consumer staples uh, usually has a headwind, whereas uh, commodities tend to do better. Just one simple example. And then once you have your broader asset allocation set, then you want to look at the individual, your, your current holdings. And say, are, are, am I overweight in this particular sector? Am I underweight? And then drilling down to the individual names. How much do you want? What's the most you should have? Well, probably no more than 5% per position in any one particular stock. And if you have done very well, and maybe that grows from uh, a three, four, or five percent position to an eight or nine or ten percent position, if you, maybe your stock has doubled or, or up even more than that, and then rebalancing that lower to make sure that it's within your guidelines of how you want your portfolio to look, and so that's how you have to think about it first, this big picture, and then you get down to the details of each individual position. Is your thesis? still the same? Is it close to your overall valuation? I'll give you an example. Uh, one of our strategies, we picked up an oil name uh, a few months ago around $3, a little under $4 a share. And it recently hit over $9 a share. And that our, our value is closer to 10. And so the fact that it was at, I think it was at 950, something like that, we started to rebalance that a bit lower and started to take some profits off the table to 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 make sure that the the portfolio doesn't get too overweight particular that particular position Um, and so that's how you want to think about taking those gains is you have to have a strategy of uh goals of your portfolio and you allocate towards that strategy incrementally over time as new information comes in, as particular positions become overweight, or maybe they get underweight, et cetera. So that's how you get into the portfolio management of your portfolio. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 88992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about 20 minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Now let's touch on the supply chain globally, because this is really the crux of the biggest story in today's uh, world economy is the fact that inflation is running hot and it's very difficult to move products to get products made. And the supply chain crunch, which was supposed to be temporary is likely to last well into next year. So something that was supposed to be just a few months is now likely going to be a few years, And shipping costs are up worldwide. And manufacturers are having shortages of key components, high raw material costs, energy costs. And there's often a bidding war to get space on shipping containers. Other companies, and you've heard this in the auto industry, lacking components to produce their larger product. For example, Rubik's Cubes, the owner of Rubik's Cubes, the cost of their magnets have risen 50%. And so the production cost overall now is 7% higher than it was before. And that feeds into the selling price of the end product. And part of this has to do with COVID. You're seeing governments temporarily close uh, shipping ports because of dock workers that may have uh, caught the Delta variant and port congestion overall. And a shortage of shipping capacity is likely to last well into next year. Now the cost of sending a container from Asia to Europe is about 10 times higher today than it was in May of last year, just a little over a year ago. And This is, once again, feeding into the price of all types of goods. Even things like bicycles, they're raising prices uh, because of increased costs. Things that don't even include chips. And if you look at the personal consumption expenditures price index, it's supposed to be 4% in the third quarter and 4.1% in the fourth quarter, which is double the Federal Reserve's 2% goal. And so we're seeing sticky inflation. Inflation is no longer accelerating, but it is sticky. And this is manifesting in in various ways because what's happening now is because of the, the supply chain issues, many companies are storing critical components. Whereas before it was all about lean manufacturing, where you don't have a lot of inventory, just in time inventory. And in this environment where it's difficult to get things, just-in-time inventory is very bad. And many of the uh, manufacturers had very short-term contracts for shipping. And that is that means that now they're having to pay current prices. A lot of the brokers have... Uh, and you've seen that in the stocks. A lot of these uh, third-party logistics companies have a long-term contracts with shippers, and they're able to extract huge returns because of the short-term uh, boost in the cost of shipping. And so this is not going to abate, I don't think, anytime soon, maybe next year, uh, maybe in the first, second quarter but it could last all the next year as well. So uh, don't expect this inflation to moderate much in until at least 2022. Let's go to Richard in the Bay Area. Let's talk about green energy. Uh, hi, Justin. How are you doing? Doing well.
0: Uh, thank you for taking my call. So my question is about broadly how to invest in green energy. Um, is it uh, Would the best money be spent on um IT uh, companies, on um, raw materials um, uh, like
2: cobalt and lithium, or uh, is it on um, utility companies that are going in that direction? Uh, What are your thoughts? Well, I think they all have merit. So I I don't want to say that you... Only look in this direction or that direction. Uh, there, are, I've I, I have plenty of IP companies on my watch list of uh, those that have good software for the management uh, of the power efficiently. Others have good IP when it comes to the uh, the transition, not the transistors, but the um, what. Tra- what changes the uh, voltage from AC to DC. I forgot what it's called exactly, but um, there, there's a lot of great IP within the industry. And so I like those companies probably first, most of all, uh, as long as you're confident that their IP is going to hold up and not go, they're not going to be out innovated. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I like the raw materials because at the end of the day, people don't care who makes their solar panel, who installs the solar panel. Uh, They really don't all they care is that it produces electricity uh, or uh, if it's wind or something like that and but they all need good consistent raw materials and uh, certain certain parts of the supply chain are uh, more are more easily available than others for example lithium production can come on rather quickly. And the cure for higher prices in the commodity industry tends to be higher prices, and that that can correct rather quickly, whereas things like copper, those that production tends to take years to come on. So make sure within the raw material industry that you, uh, you are cognizant of that, that you don't just buy it because it's supposed to quote-unquote be uh, a green material. And then number three, the utilities. Uh, I like a lot of the utilities that can take advantage of uh, the carbon credits. I think that's going to be really big into the future, and I think the governments are going to focus more on that and and and, and making sure that companies are uh, are selling and buying uh, enough carbon credits to offset uh, their production. Now, I think the biggest issue in the space when it comes to that is uh, twenty. I think I saw a list. 23 of the 25 largest uh, pollution-producing cities in the world were in China. Uh, The other was Tokyo and, I believe, Moscow. And so how are they going to deal with all that if you're trying to do climate change or deal with climate change? Um, So that's really the biggest risk there is how does the global uh, climate crisis uh, manifest in policy And do those incentives uh, shift away from just simply carbon credits? So there's a lot to be said. I don't have a clear answer that one is better than the other. Uh, But know that the space in general is overhyped. What I love far less are the electric vehicle companies, the solar panel uh, uh, companies uh, that, that sell just raw solar panels, things like that. I just don't see that as a great investment because those are often very, very competitive and their margins are very, very low. Um, So I I look more at what I don't want to invest in and what is investable is more on a case-by-case basis. Thanks for the call. Now in the market, we are seeing a a bit of volatility and that makes me think of what potentially could be a great relationship between myself and Steve and you. And we have a company called KPP Financial where we operate with the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We are based in Irvine, California, and we practice parallel investing where we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air. And we invest right alongside our clients, meaning we implement the same strategies for our clients as we do for ourselves. And if you need help with your portfolio, understanding your risk, reward, how much risk you should be taking, identifying how much risk you are taking – I encourage you to reach out for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461, excuse me. Uh, and then we would love to help you in any way we can, so I encourage you. Please reach out. Next up, we will play another voicemail question. This, this is a good time to remind you that yes, we like your iTunes review questions, but please don't forget to call We love your calls at 888-99-CHART.
1: A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. It's Jose been listening to your show for a while now. I love it. My question is in regards to FIGS, ticker F-I-G-S. I I took a small position on it, and I just wanted to know your perspective on it. Is this a good buy or good hold on to for
2: either short or long term? Thank you. All right. This is FIGS, F-I-G-S. This is a recent IPO. And if you listen to the show for any period of time, you know that recent IPOs, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, now this is within that six-month period. It went IPO in May, so you're going to have the unlock probably around uh, November, December timeframe. And I think that could put, usually puts potential pressure on the stock. I want to see what the, that unlock looks like compared to the the current float. Something I'm definitely uh, keeping an I would keep an eye on because this is a name that I am interested in. Uh, I will say. My girlfriend is a doctor, and she wears figs. She loves figs. Her whole staff wears figs, and what they do is they man- they basically manufacture more sleek and stylish scrubs. That's it. And my I, I like the company. Uh, you know, she buys new scr- new figs regularly, and the question is, will they always have a lock on this market? Especially as they get bigger, I think there'll be more competition. And that's my biggest worry with figs. Uh, And currently, the valuation remains very high. Enterprise value to revenue of 22 times. Talk about it. When you get to that 20 times revenue number, it's very difficult to grow into that level of valuation. And so I just don't see it as... Attractive at this time, I think short term It was up 8% today, I think you could See a rally into that Unlock uh, period in in October, November, November, December time frame So near term, I'm pretty bullish on it But it's to me, based on the Valuation, that potential unlock here Coming up, uh, just not a Fan of figs at these prices So I'm passing on it, but it is On my watch list and watching the Industry dynamic as well to see if There's others that come into the space That are able to compete because I don't know, stylish scrubs seems easy to replicate. Now let's try another iTunes question, and we're going to go to Sue from Poway, California. It says I'm looking at Autodesk, ADSK, and have made my valuation. I'm wondering what you think their 12-month price target might be. Do you see 375 as potential? Well. it looks like they just went down from about 342. I'm not sure. Let me take a look if there's some big news that came out because it now is down to 303 and change at the close today. You are also trading at enterprise value to revenue 17 times, 89 times enterprise value to EBITDA. Uh, It's just too expensive in in my book. I know they're growing consistently, but only about – uh, in the mid-teens on revenue and low twenty percent on earnings, so uh, I'm, I don't, I would not say three seventy-five uh, is a potential in the uh, in twelve. I guess, I guess, it's possible. It's at three hundred today. Certainly possible, but I think it's overvalued right now, and I'm going to pass on Autodesk. But great company. Now this is invest talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888-99-CHART.
0: Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call
2: 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Noel in Napa looking at BGS.
0: Uh, good afternoon, Justin. Yeah, I'm, I'm a long term holder in uh, BGS. Uh, however, it uh, hasn't had much positive movement lately. And then upon uh, some investigation, I see that they're diluting the shares by putting out seven and a half million. So, of course, uh uh, do you think I ought to stick for the dividend, or I, I, actually there are other things out there with some pretty decent dividends that aren't being diluted? So, what would be your path? I guess.
2: Well, uh, we actually own the stock, so uh, we do we do like it. Uh, I, I like uh, the historical uh, return, on equity, and profitability of the business. They're they're they do have uh, pretty high leverage, but they've been highly levered for a decade now. So this is no, uh, no different. They go out there, they typically will buy undervalued brands and uh, put it into their pipeline, squeeze the synergies out of it and improve the, the manufacturing production, the uh, distribution and make, the, make it more valuable. And oftentimes they will sell that business. They've done that before. Uh, they recently bought a Jolly Green Giant and that's doing well. Uh, and certainly, the pandemic definitely helped them. Twenty twenty, they made two dollars and twenty six cents a share, up from $1.64 in twenty nineteen. So it's to make two dollars a share this year, two dollars and fourteen cents next year. So definitely not a fast grower, but um, you know, I think it's one of the names that spiked uh, recently uh, a couple times this year. If it gets another spike above, say thirty five, I'd probably be trimming it. Um, but I do like the dividend, and I would be a holder of B and G Foods. Let's go to George in North Carolina, looking at BWA, which is Borg Warner. This manufactures engine and drive, king, drive train components for light vehicles. Uh, it's basically an equipment manufacturer or a, a, a parts manufacturer for OEM uh, larger manufacturers. Do you own it, George? Or are you looking to buy it?
0: I was just wondering if you think it'd be a good play on the transition to electric and
1: hybrid vehicles
2: well let me take a look at their their products that's the that's really the biggest question here is uh they they've had long history of supplying parts for they they supply turbochargers um, timing systems emission systems thermal systems gasoline ignition technology powertrain sensors etc so there's some overlap with uh powertrain um and thermal systems etc but they have some, they have an e-booster, e- turbo, so there are there is some exposure there, um, and I'm sure they are innovating in that way. Uh, but this is not the the best way to gain exposure to uh, pure electric vehicle growth. Uh, I would be looking for others that have m- exposure to more battery technology than uh, this type of name. So I think it's still a good company. It's come down. It's starting to get to support here around, uh, if it gets to 40, I think that's pretty good support. Um, but this is, to me, not a, a, an electric vehicle play because such a small percentage of their revenue continues to be uh, in, in the electric space. So uh, I would I'd be a bit worried about that longer term. Do they have the technology? Do they have the ability to supply for electric vehicles? Some parts, once again, definitely absolutely um but this is definitely not a pure play ev stock thanks for the call now here's one more itunes review question for today city of i just as i often hear you say something along the lines of don't buy this company they don't make any money what numbers are you typically looking at to determine if a company makes money it's a net profit revenue cash flow a mixture of all and the answer is a mixture uh, revenue uh that's no, definitely not revenue. Uh, a lot of people talk about the top line. I, I don't think uh, the top, top line matters. I won't say it doesn't matter. It's definitely important. Uh, but when I say the company doesn't make money, I'm talking about profit, net income, earnings per share. Uh, I like to look at free cash flow to see how much money they have left over to uh, reinvest in the business, to acquire other businesses, to retain, uh, to pay down debt. Uh, Etc., those are all important for me as well. So, there's a lot of good metrics, return on equity, return on invested capital. These are all important metrics to see how well the company is performing for you, the shareholder. Because at the end of the day, remember, owning an equity is about ownership in the business, and you want to own good businesses. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads which we now hit over 34 million. And we appreciate you all for that. So get your yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, InvestTalk.com. Be sure to rate and review over on iTunes. If you give a positive rating and you leave a brief question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking shows success. This is InvestTalk. Good night. Because of the
1: nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, A registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24 hour listener line at 888 99Chart.